Hello, church family. Uh, we typically do a sermon review after the sermon on Sundays, but we're doing something a little differently. Since we're finishing the book of Daniel, we're going to do an entire series review, and we're going to talk about the book of Daniel as a whole. So what you're going to see on your screen is a chart that I created for the book of Daniel, and um, right now, as I'm speaking, your life is being changed. I know this is <laughs> impacting you in a powerful way. But uh, this is the chart. So as you look at the chart, I just want to want to talk about some things as we consider uh, the whole Daniel series. O on the chart, we have it where, you know, the, the Daniel's age at first. So where mm -hmm. he's very young and then where he gets to where we were today, which he's probably 82 to 87 years old. So that's a that's a massive age gap. And uh, how long he served as a sort of presidential advisor. Um, and that's a very long time. In our, in our mindset, it would be like if Harry Truman would still be a presidential advisor. Hmm. That's how wow. long Daniel served as a presidential advisor. It's, so, I mean, so, I mean, Harry Truman's, so, I mean, that'd be massive. That's yeah. a, he yeah. outlived Babylonian that. kingdom, you know, <laughs> the yeah, empire. Right. So pr pretty crazy. Um, and then also on that chart, just seeing the different, nations come and go it just reminds me how quickly god can dispose of a nation literally th this is what it this is the effort it requires him to destroy the greatest nation on earth <laughs> just yeah. just a thump and yes. the greatest nation on earth is 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 gone and um and we think nations can't be toppled, but even while we're doing this seminar, long-term long dictators are being toppled in mm. Tunisia and Egypt while other dictators are tottering. And so um, God controls the nations. God yes. controls the nations. So what I'm going to do is ask each of you a question. We'll start here and go this way. Okay. Uh, Kent, if I said to you, if the church was what it was supposed to be, we wouldn't have a corrupt government. If the church would just vote right, we could usher in God's kingdom. What would you say to that? What does the book of Daniel say to that? Okay, so, um, you know, we're called as Christians to be a, a city on a hill, to be light in the world. And so, you know, we've got this mindset now when you kind of attach that word kingdom, it brings back my mind to all of the references that Jesus had to kingdom. So. In the book of Matthew, he mentioned the kingdom of heaven 31 times. In the book of Mark, he mentioned kingdom of, of God 14 times. Luke, another 31 times, kingdom of God. And then twice specifically of that specific formula in the book of John. So there's lots of references in the Gospels about the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God that Jesus was talking about. And he used a lot of his parables to describe what it was. He used figurative language yes. to talk about the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. But what Jesus didn't do is tell us what is the kingdom of God. <laughs> so he talked about it kind of in concept or in theory, but he didn't come out and say it. But what he did tell us is he said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that the kingdom of God is here. And he correlated this kingdom to the spread of the gospel. So we know that from Christ's death, from Christ's resurrection, that this kingdom is spreading through the gospel message that's being taken to the world. And when you think about this, this concept of voting a certain way that we can usher in really what would be is a theocratic government or a theocracy, something like we see right now in Iran, which is a theocratic government, that's not what the kingdom of God is meant to be. That's not what yeah. Jesus was talking about. He was talking about salvation from sins through the gospel message. 
not trying to you know, uh, turn everybody compulsory into Christians. That wasn't the intent behind it. So what we can get from the book of Daniel, as we look at the book of Daniel, i got to pull it back to your original question. We, we see God's sovereign will working behind the scenes in a much grander design than we can ever really fathom with our finite minds. Yes. We can see the sovereignty of God at play there, knowing that God is working, that he's using nations to judge other nations, that he's protecting and preserving the believers, that he's, he's judging the world, that he's establishing kingdoms for his purpose, yes. and that he's setting up conditions for his sovereign purposes, which was the coming of the Messiah. So we see that kind of unfolding with Daniel. Now, the fact is, is that God is no less sovereign over human history today than he was at the time of Daniel. He still is in That's control, yes. right? He's still very much in control. So, so we can see that and we can recognize that as Christians today that we are called to be salt and light in the world. Wherever God has us, whatever is happening today, yes, we are to vote according to our conscience as it is being informed by Scripture and by the Holy Spirit. Certainly, we want to you know, have as much of an influence on society as we can. But when that society doesn't change, that doesn't um, undermine the fact that God is still in control. And when I think about these things, I think about us as being exiles and sojourners here on this earth. Yes. Um, I like to go to First Peter. It's just so very, very encouraging to look at Peter's words as he's writing to those exiles and encouraging them how to live out their Christian testimony and faith amidst whatever persecution that they're enduring. Yes, so that's great. So if a revivalist you know, says to the church, if you would just be the church, we wouldn't have all this mess. That's not supported in Scripture. It's not supported Daniel in Scripture. Because Daniel did yeah. everything he was supposed to do, right. and he still had the mess. Right. I mean, Scripture doesn't say anything negative about Daniel. One of the few people it doesn't say anything negative right. about. Mm -hmm. This guy was doing everything right. So it could just be the will of God that... Yeah. Um, that this the sin and evil is 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 doing this not not the fault of the church right yeah so you can't point the finger at the church you can and God was using Daniel to be a light yes to be a light at that point in time in history yes it's yeah. good well you ruined my revival sermon for next week <laughs> uh. all right let's go on moving here um, Mike Workman how might the book of Daniel help a politician stay humble and a voter stay encouraged. Well, you know, we laugh about it, but the truth is by their very nature, a politician is not going to be humble. I would hope that believers that are in that position would be because we see a very unique example of God humbling a leader of the leader of of the yes. most powerful nation in the world to the point where he was eating grass mm. in a field. Mm. Uh, you know, that's an interesting story. We tend to just kind of like, ha-ha, move on. And, um, but God humbles people, Yes, uh, the, the proud. But I think that part of the question that I would probably focus on more, because I don't know the president, I don't know uh, the senators personally, but right. I know me and other people, the voters. Yes. And I know right now, uh, you, you look on CNN, you look on Fox News, you look on your feeds on Facebook and, or Twitter or whatever, we are very divided. Yeah. Christian community is divided, yes. and maybe rightly so in some areas. I'm not even going to talk about that. But what's interesting with Christians is we tend to stamp God's approval on 
the politician of our choice. Yes, don't, don't that's we? very true. <laughs> that uh, uh, politician Bill here uh, is God's, God's anointed. Yes. And what I see in Daniel is, is that God puts the ungodly in position of authority over the world or of nations or whatever, specifically to do what? To fulfill his purpose. Yes. We're coming back to the sovereignty thing again. Yeah. Probably the theme that, ima- that I um, that just stuck out to me more than in anything, and I said this a few weeks ago, was the sovereignty of God. And being convicted to, Mike, I throw that out there a lot because that makes me sound like I'm on line with a certain theology. But the reality is, is do I believe that? Do I believe that he, that nothing can thwart his purpose? Do I believe, and and Daniel has encouraged that in me to see that because, you know, think about what Daniel gave up. Daniel didn't go back, did he? He died there. Uh, and you, you said something today in your sermon uh, that he spoke like they did. He had the same accent. like He had yes. been his whole life there. Yes. He had lost the ability to have children and grandchildren. Yes. Because, I mean, he, he su- suffered personally a lot. But he was focused. I am convinced he was focused on the sovereignty of God, and God would fulfill the, pro- uh, the promises that he had made yes. no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so, as a believer, come November, am I going to wring my hands as, as, or, or celebrate in a way that is, you know, like I, I did it or like whatever? You're one. Yeah, you're like one. I was the one. You got one, so yeah. you won. <laughs> yeah. Or am I going to be the one? And I'm not saying, we, you know, this is not Christian fatalism or whatever. Right. But I am saying that what happens in November has been determined before the foundations right. of the earth. Right. I can say that. Do I really believe it? Right. And so no matter what happens, I have the assurance as a believer mm. that these things will accomplish his, his ultimate mission, uh, his ultimate uh, goal. Yes. Yeah. The voters should be encouraged by the sovereignty of God. Like he, He's going to pick the president, and whoever is elected, God reigns. Yes. God right. reigns. Right. And we... we it's really detrimental for us to say God's man won. How, how do we know which one was, or God's man lost? How, how, do, how do we know that? God, God's, God's going to win no yeah. matter what. And the political winner should not boast, like, like you said, should not boast like Nebuchadnezzar because God can and will humble us and he'll bring us down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I forgot to say with your question, it was the, it was the will of God for, for his people to lose the cultural war. So they lost, they lost the cultural war, um, and it was the will of God for them to lose the cultural war. So right. you can't say, like, it's always God's will for us to win the cultural war. Church, get out and do your thing. Right. Yeah. And, and in light of what was happening with the Babylonian captivity, he was teaching them something that they needed to learn, a lesson that they needed to learn to obey in the promises of God that were leading forward to the intertestamental period yes. and moving into the coming of the Messiah. They needed that lesson to be learned. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Daniel Hurd, how does the book of Daniel, this is a book named after you, how does the book of Daniel help us stand up in a world that's telling us to bow down? Yeah. Uh, and something that 
Mike even just said, it made me made me think that I, I often bring this when I read books like this, especially about especially about uh, Daniel, is that he had no idea that a book was going to get named after him. <laughs> like he yes. he thought that he was just going to be one of many Israelites to just die in obscurity, right. like most all of them did. Yes. And uh, so so there really is that that faithfulness piece, and I think that like that that is the the stand up. That is the the bravery and the courage that's expressed through uh, through Christian virtue that we have by the Spirit of God. Um, it can be it can be very simple things, right? Like I mean, even in, even like a, a high schooler can do this. And like, what what is more terrifying than like sharing Jesus with another yes. kid in your high school class? Yes. Or uh, a, a big thing today is is like missing a sports game on a Sunday. Yes. I mean, Eric Little, uh, the the uh, oh, you know, yes. way old runner, mm-hmm. uh, incredible runner. I mean, just the amount of pressure put on him by the world stage yes. to run on a Sunday, and he refused. Yes. Just, an, just an incredible testimony. I mean, that that is somebody that's like that that Christ-like, Daniel-like, even characteristic mm-hmm. of of standing yes. up and just, which really a lot of it includes inaction. It's amazing, like what mm-hmm. what yes. Christian virtue sometimes compels us to not act. Yes. And that's a way of standing up. Because um, we got a lot of, you know, we have quite a few teens in the church, and this is this is good for them because they're going to need to stand against sin and stand for righteousness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, it can be. I, I think about business. Um, I, there's a pastor I heard years and years ago that preached through Daniel, and he gave an example of this where he was a faithful Christian in the workplace, and his boss commended him for being honest about something. And he was honest in the same way with a new boss, and that boss was like, "I, I don't appreciate the like the fact that you were being so Christian in this," and he and yes. he fired him. Wow. Same job, different bosses, different yes. reactions, and and all all in the scope of God's overarching decision. That's good. Uh, with with that man. Yes. Um, I even think about it. In uh, I had a, a friend of mine. He has he has some uh, rental properties, and he's been often told like, "Hey, do you want to get a tenant out fast?" You just you just have to bribe them. Just tell, like give them basically a deposit and a month's worth of rent to, to convince them to move out. Yes. And he decided against that. Mm-hmm. And I, I I appreciated his his example in that. Like yes. um, he's like, no, it, thinking through it as a Christian, even in a small way, like I never want to bribe someone, even if it even if it benefits me. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you see that a lot. I, I think in, in businesses, like your your competition is cheating. Yes. And then they're making it out on top. So then it's like, man, it's, it's the only way to survive in a cutthroat business world to cheat. Yes. And uh, I, I, think, I think Daniel's life and example shows like that, that does not have to yes. be the case. Um, we are living in Babylon too. Yes. Just like Daniel was living. We're living in our own Babylon. And so we'll have to take some stands yes. as well. So even, even uh, stay-at-home moms, it's like, okay, what, I mean, what, what do I do? I'm with my kid. I'm sharing the gospel with my kid. But, but like just... The, the propensity, the temptation to, to give your kid just the, the world. Mm. Get, just sling him an iPad and like even, yes. even the small little thing, but, but to not be an attentive mm. parent, that the allure there is real and it's, and it's just so easy now. Yes. It's so easy now. Um, I, I think that Daniel calls us to like, have, have attention. Like that's what, and that's just what faithfulness is, is being yes. attentive. Uh, you, you said in the sermon today, um, hope. I mean, that w- that was a big thing, but but I think that that hope, like if I have something that genuine, I genuinely hope in the Lord, then it is just going to compel me to action, and I would say practical action. Yes. Like I think a big 
thing that gets tossed in, at, uh, at, at pastors uh, even is like, well, you know, I, I get it. You're, you live up in your ivory tower and you're telling us to, oh, it's easy for you to be kind, pastor. Yes. It's easy for you to do, because you have to do the right thing. Yes. Um, but I think that the word of God, and Daniel shows us this, like the, the word of God is like, it's nitty gritty. It is yes. highly practical. Yes. And, and, it, and that hope, like it's not, it's not a. I wish for this. It's no. I have a certainty mm-hmm. that one day I'm going to stand and see God face to face, and and that leads us to practical action. Like one of one of Daniel's contemporaries, Jeremiah, um, which I can, I can never remember if they actually knew each other or not, or maybe Daniel knew of Jeremiah, um, but uh, uh, but Jeremiah one time is compelled by uh, by the Lord to. If you guys remember this, I was just reading over recently. I was like, I don't even remember this. He was told to buy a field in, he's from Anathoth, that little area. And he's like, cousin or somebody yes. sells him a field. I'm going to sell it to you for 17 shekels. And God says to him, buy it. While Jeremiah is in prison, and, and then while uh, the, like Jerusalem is under siege. And so he buys the field. And, and even Jeremiah goes like, God, you're the, the God of... Uh, Abraham and Moses and you can do all things and then basically it's why did I buy this field (laughs) like why did I do it and then the Lord's response is like well one day not until after after uh, there's a Babylonian exile but one day you're gonna you're gonna live there again there is a hope and I think Christians have that too and so that it it is a practical action so so I think a way to stand up like we're just forced to to do what is practical and, and I, would, I would say a biblical solution is not to just back away and never do anything. Right. Um, uh, that, that was something we, you'd mentioned. You know, you think about like the pressure that pastors are under. Yes. With, with social Twitter media. And social Twitter. media. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so it can lead to like, well, I'm just not going to say anything at all, which, which that, that's my default response. I don't, I'm not on social media really. And so I don't, but, but like nobody asks me. Nobody posts on my Facebook right. wall like, hey, Daniel, what do you, you think, think about, about what do you think about this? Nobody asks me, right? But uh, but but if called upon, yes. I need to I need to be ready. Yes. And I need to have an answer. Pastors are going to have to do things that are that are not that are not deemed socially acceptable and take stances that are not socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so you got to you got to stand up. Basically, what we're saying is the gospel doesn't make you a coward. You're not going to bow to the world. You're going to stand up. Uh, all four of these men, we can all tell you specific instances where we had to stand up for the sake of the gospel. We couldn't live this life. We couldn't allow this to go on in our present, whatever it is, in many different venues of life. Sometimes it cost us. Sometimes it did not. But we had to take us. The gospel makes us stand. We, we couldn't stay seated any longer. And so, um, yeah, I appreciate, appreciate that answer. Thank you. Okay, last question. This is for everyone. Uh, Daniel certainly shows us that it's possible to live a faithful life surrounded by pagan influences and propaganda, which we are surrounded by as well. For Daniel, life in exile would never be easy, nor would it ever be home. It was never intended to be home. It was never intended to feel at home. After 70 years in exile, his accent, as you said, is indistinguishable from others around him. Is that a, is that a Babylonian over there? Is that it sounds just like... And his name, Belshazzar, so even though he answered by the name, um, he didn't live the Babylonian life. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like Daniel would have three options in life. He could assimilate into the culture, be shaped by their values, 
become a Babylonian. He answered to the name, so just might as well live the life. So he could assimilate into the culture. He could separate from the culture. I'm not going to have anything to do with their art, their music, their jobs. I'm going to put myself in a bubble. I'm going to live in my little compound over here. I'm going to totally separate from the culture. Assimilate, separate, or he could Christianize the culture. And, and, it, and it, it doesn't seem like he tried to Christianize the culture. You know, like if you work at Walmart, then you have the responsibility to make Walmart a Christian company. I don't, I don't think that's what we see. I don't think that's what we see. Live out the gospel at your job. Make sure your employer suffers no loss, but you're not responsible for making Walmart become a Christian company, nor are we responsible for making America become a Christian America. So basically what I'm saying is it doesn't seem like Daniel did any of the three. It doesn't seem like he assimilated into the culture or he completely separated from the culture or he Christianized the culture. So what exactly did Daniel do? So funny, uh, I just want to kind of attack one of the things that you yes. said. It was, I popped into my mind, uh, you think about like separating or isolating. Um, you know, we've got Amish communities right out the back yes. door here in Kentucky. And I don't think that anybody driving down the road, seeing a family with, with funny haircuts, riding a little horse and buggy, you're going to say, hey, let's go find out about their God. Right. I mean, so yes. them isolating is completely <laughs> self-serving. It's not yes. gospel-focused. It's not taking the gospel to the nations. They have cut themselves off from the rest of the world and rendered themselves, quite frankly, ineffective at, at spreading the gospel. Yes. So, you know, you, you've got that idea that we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. I know it's kind of a cliche that's passed around quite frequently, but, you know, we're going to live in the world. Yes. In and amongst them, that doesn't yes. mean we have to be like them. Right. So we still have to be salt and light to be, you know, witnesses, to have a testimony in the workplace, in the neighborhoods, wherever we're at, in this world, wherever God has placed us to bring him glory and to spread the gospel. Yes. And there are Christians who try to separate themselves from the culture altogether. Not just the Amish, you know, they're Christian Yeah, yeah and that was only one yeah, example, Christian right? Christian believers, yeah. too, that, that do yeah. that. And, um, you know, that's, that's just not, it's not the message. Yeah, how are you fulfilling the Great Commission? Exactly. That's good. Okay. Anyone else want to jump on that? What did Daniel do? Well, you know, we, when we look at Daniel, he is educated at their universities. Yes. Takes the name. Definitely uh, didn't separate. Yeah, he went to yeah. their universities. That's a great yeah, point. And he didn't rebel against that. He didn't. Um, his, what I see Daniel as God's law supreme. And if it does not, I mean, if it does not uh, cause an issue with God's law, mm. I will do it and I will do it to my best ability. Yes. He was working for the enemy, was he not? Yes. Mm -hmm. yep. I mean, constantly through his life, one, one enemy, the next enemy, the yes. next enemy. And so that says a lot about um, where his, to me, where his mind was, where his focus was. And I, I think, um, I mean, that's just kind of what I, what I, I see. And he that. excelled at, in their universities. Yes. He excelled mm -hmm. at their jobs in their palaces. And, you know, I, this last week I was reading the end of Genesis. And so I come to Joseph, and I see some similarities so that apparently, uh, the, I don't think I'd ever picked up on this, mm -hmm. the brother, uh, he was maybe having some trouble understanding his brothers because he had been away uh, so long that he, he had oh, forgotten right. the language and he had an interpreter yes. uh, there. And so, and he looked Egyptian yes. and uh, you saw, you know, he wore, and, and yet 
we know, like Daniel, where his focus was yes. and what the uh, what people and others had meant for evil, God had meant for good. It's good. It's very good. Yeah, I I just think about even who Jesus was uh, in anything that he did. The, the ministry that we don't have captured, just his life before his ministry started, he did it with excellence. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and, and never got noticed for it. And, you know, uh, there, there's movies that'll kind of like, oh, look, there, he made this table or whatever. It's like, but he just, like, those things were never mentioned, but it's, it's all, it's, it's beyond implied. It, it's just so it's just so obvious that he did that. And Daniel did that. He, he worked with excellence. Um, when I was thinking through this uh, this this question, I, First Thessalonians came to mind. Uh, chapter four it says, "But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may live properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one." Now I think there's some particularities to to the, the church in Thessalonica. Um, but that last statement of being dependent on no one, I think I think Christians, yes. well, we should be interdependent. Like I, I need the body of Christ, mm-hmm. I need the church. But but as far as, it, as I am concerned, how can I live in a way that I am not dependent on, on anyone else mm-hmm. for, for caring for my family and doing what I need to do and then to honor God with that with, with whatever independency that I have. I think that's being an excellent uh, Christian example yes. and role model yes. um, because then the overflow of that is, well, now I can give and now mm-hmm. I can share. And uh, I, I think Daniel achieved that. I mean, it's just, it, it's pretty remarkable in his faithfulness. He was, he was not dependent on anyone. I mean, he, he was able to go and do everything that he needed to do uh, in exile and, and live it out faithfully. Like, I, I can't imagine something like that happening here. Just some other sovereign nation coming in and just like, all right, now you're living Taking a completely yes. different life. But, but the gospel, like, it makes it very clear. I think this is why missionaries are able to do what they do. They can go in and they can, they can see people be brought to Christ and they don't have to go and just westernize a place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because that's not what the gospel yes. is about. So. so in every culture, just like the Babylonian culture, there were things in the culture that were not necessarily sin, and then there were things in the culture that was very sinful. And so it seems like Daniel um, embraced the culture where he could, mm-hmm. even dress, accent, education. He embraced the culture where he could, and then he opposed it where he must. Mm-hmm. There were some things he stood up and said, no, no, this is in violation to my God. I will not do this. So embrace the culture you know, where you can, and then oppose it where you must. And I think that's good advice, not only for Daniel, but good advice for us living in our culture as well. Mm. Well, church family, thank you for joining us on this panel. And we look forward to seeing you next Sunday when we start walking through verse by verse the book of Philippians. God bless. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.